This podcast contains strong language and is intended for mature audiences. It is for entertainment purposes only. better than I sound, is what I'm saying. <laughs> are, you, are, are you a Halloween person? I am not. Nope. Never? Nope. No. And when I was single and dating, that couldn't turn me off more than when a guy said, let me take you to a Halloween bash and let's dress up. Or someone would say, I'm dressing up and going to a party. And then I just, I, I you know what it is, Jenny? I didn't play enough as a child. You didn't? Wah, wah. (laughs) In some people, though, might that make them want to play more as an adult? Maybe. And then other people, uh, you know, can get a little anxious at social pressure to, you know, do something that feels unnatural. And I, um, when I... Okay, so Halloween. Growing up, my mom was an alcoholic and my dad was a workaholic, but my dad would come home and take us all trick-or-treating. And, you know, we had the we went to Save On, which is now Rite Aid or whatever. Yeah. And I would get every year um, Cinderella with the plastic mask that you sweat in and just like a plastic you know or silky blue it looks like a dress kind of thing right and um very flammable yes and uh <laughs> and creepy <laughs> the masks are incredibly creepy yeah to me. so so i mean that's as much as halloween went and then in adolescence and young adulthood i just um the whole dressing up thing was just feeling really bizarre a turnoff I guess I was insecure. I'll tell you what else was going on for me, maybe for you listeners, is pressure to decide upon a costume. And, that's you know, a hard one. Yeah. And maybe that's like a projection of I might get it wrong. I, it might be, you know, um, I, I might get judged or like you're calling for someone to judge you. I don't know. There, I think there's a lot. Uh, I'm so happy we're doing the show because uh, I needed to talk about Halloween. <laughs> I'm just kidding. What What's your favorite Halloween candy? Candy corn. Really? Yes. You're a candy corn person. Love it. Wow. Why? What are you? Like. Um, I like uh, little mini candy bars, like um, I think it's Milky Ways, you know, that have the caramel or little Twixes or little uh, like anything chocolate, really. Yum. Not really Tootsie Rolls, not candy corn. I'm not a candy corn person, but the, 
it really seems there's nobody who's sort of like so so. You either love it or you don't like it at all. I feel like what do, uh, what are your memories of trick or treating? I have some great memories of trick or treating because I I mean I, it's crazy. People think that there aren't seasons in Los Angeles, which <laughs> my joke is I was like, of course there are. There's Emmy season. There's Grammy ah, season. That's funny. Um, but we do have. You know, after nearly 30 years here, you do see changes and shifts and leaves. But the first 18 years of my life, I grew up, or 17 years of my life, I grew up in the Midwest. And we had seasons. And there was something awesome about Halloween and that the smell of the leaves and the fires and the fireplaces and the jack-o'-lanterns I, I loved it fall is kind of my season it's my birthday month and um happy birthday yeah next week <gasps> Woo! how old are you i will <laughs> i have to i always have to think i'm going to be 47 yes but i've been saying i'm 47 for at least six months so Ugh. i always have to stop and go well you know i i'm, I'm nearly 48 no you're not yet you're a baby Oh, oh God, I is... am, just with my pacifier and my rattle. And you know what? It gets better and better, and I'm not bullshitting you. It's seriously, it, it gets better. I know. I it, it keeps getting better. But Halloween in the Midwest is lovely. I have so many memories of being out with friends. This was in days before. Like, we never took our candy to a police station to have it analyzed, uh, you know. But there X-rayed. was always that, yeah. Yeah. There was always that, oh, somebody's going to give you fruit. Um, somebody's going to give you a handful of pennies. But I lived in a neighborhood with lots of kids and lots of houses. And then as we got older and you could get other places, you'd go to places that with bigger houses and, you know, fancier candies. And even in um, even in high school, like I, I remember going as a freshman and meeting people from high school that I didn't know yet because uh, high school, I don't know how yours was, but a bunch of different schools merged into one big high school. So you were meeting new people. And yeah, there's, as you're saying, always that anxiety about costumes. I never really liked the costume part. I think maybe part of it for me too is because of my fall birthday, my October birthday, there was always this pressure that my birthday party be a costume birthday party. I do have to say, Wendy, though, I'm really surprised that you didn't dress up, that you didn't like to dress up, because I think of Girl, you, like, I'm not saying I do not dress up, okay? <laughs> I'm just saying for Halloween. Yeah. Let's say I do some, my husband is very happy, but do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, um, I do. Did, did you go to school where during those, you know, d- during the day they invite you to dress up? Or? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I came from a theater family where everything's costumes so in some ways it's kind of like a non-day if i wanted like right now i'm wearing these headphones with these little kitty ears like if i wanted to wear those i would have worn those anyways Uh i i I would dress up just for the fuck yeah and i think i didn't want attention any more attention. I grew up with, you know, a lot of trauma and learning disability and all that stuff. So the last thing, and so I already felt very insecure, exposed, you know, low self-esteem. So the last thing I wanted to do growing up, especially as a teenager or young adult, is like, you know, bring attention to me. The other thing that was going on is we have um, sex addicts in our family. And so some crazy reason I associate dressing up with sexualized, uh, you know, um, like 
nasty kind of, uh, if you dress up in a certain way, somebody will misunderstand that for some sexualized, you know, like the Britney Spear kind of look or whatever, and didn't want to be looked at by older creepy men and all that stuff. So, So I guess what I'm saying also is Halloween can be loaded emotionally, socially, you know, um, it's it's not just, oh, let's just dress up. That's why we're doing the show. Yeah, and what you're saying about the sexualization, definitely as we got older and it became more of a thing. Now, when I, you know, when I was older and out here and going to parties out here, yeah, I mean, it's not just about being a witch. It's about being a sexy witch. It's not about being a nurse. It's about being a sexy nurse, right? Going to these big... Hollywood Halloween parties when I was younger, which I look back and I was like, oh, that just sounds like the worst night possible. Like, it's the last thing I want to do now, but I'm really glad that I did it when I was younger. Where you would go and you would park in a parking lot somewhere random and then get into a bus that would take you up into some big house in the hills where there's just people just pouring out of every room and music and food and... Never eat the dip. Just don't eat the dip. Uh, you, don't. <laughs> uh, you know what? And the thing is, my mom was never the Martha Stewart E type, right? Because she was an alcoholic, so she was down for the count all the time. She was schnockered and then went down. But definitely, we gave like a basket of candy, and we would just keep the lights off. And it was just there's nothing cheery or like. Um, maybe once in a while we cut up pumpkins, but. You know, there was no decorating of the house or uh, making cookies or anything. I mean, I I know some people who just, it's like a movie set. They decorate their homes and, uh, you know, make cider. And it's just, it, it's foreign to me because I didn't have that. And I did that a little bit with my kid, a little bit. But then, you know, as he got older... He didn't really care because he went to other houses that had that going on, which was great for me. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I didn't need it. I, I wasn't, you know, I just, uh, I was never an artsy, creative-ish person like that. You know, I am in other ways. But you know me. how I am. I'm like, I am the most Christmassy atheist that you will ever meet, right? At Christmas and, like, and Hanukkah, I can do that. Right. You know? Yeah. I'll totally go out for that, but I do not go out for Halloween. I have one of my best friends who's really into it, and she always has parties where she makes food that is I'm sure it's delicious but it's meant to look creepy and you know look like eyeballs or intestines and you know if you're into that it's cool but for me I'm so skeezed out by by things like that that I have no interest have a slimy eyeball right I'm more (laughs) just like oh I'll take a veggie patty it's okay Uh um but one of the things that I really wanted to talk to about, talk with you to, about today was on the topic of Halloween, but also horror movies. Do you like horror movies? Do you like scary movies? I do not. <laughs> I am not fun. <laughs> nope, I don't. I do not. Uh, you know, I I don't know. So you could go either way. If you're a trauma baby, right, if you have history of trauma, you could either be really drawn to them or you could be really off-put by them. So <clears throat> when I was a teenager back in the 80s and 90s, it was, you know, the movies were not that scary. It was Friday the 13th, Freddy Krueger, and I mean, we thought that was just like really 
technology-ish, you know? Right, yeah. But now you compare it to the stuff that goes on today. It's, it's um, you know, unreal, insane. But growing up uh, in my adolescence, you know, you hang out with other teens. And so you go, even if you're not, like, thrilled about them. But as I got older, I just, I, I guess because more mindfulness is going on for me that I just want good stuff coming into my 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 brain. Um, it's enough with the news and the heavy world issues. So the more that I can sift out any negative things, images and energy, it's uh, like self-care. Perfect transition to uh, this quote. Are we transitioning? Well, <laughs> be of. careful with that be word. Be careful with the transition. Um <laughs> Stephen King has said, quote, we make up horrors to help us cope with the real ones, which is kind of what you're talking about. There's also um, this other guy, it's Hess, I think, uh, who said, and this is just talking about um, how horror films reflect our, uh, our societal fears. Yep. So this was a quote, uh, looking at the history of horror, you have mutant monsters rising in fifties from our fear of the nuclear boogeyman zombies in the sixties with Vietnam nightmare on Elm street as a mistrust in authority figures stemming from the Watergate scandals and zombies again in the two thousands as a reflection of viral pandemic fears. But, <laughs> but for as many horror cycles that fit the theory, there are many that don't and horror films work on a universal level, crossing national boundaries while still working in different cultures. So there's a lot of theories about why people like horror films. I am like you, I don't really like them. I, I like thrillers. I like psychological tension and, and that kind of stuff. I like, I think maybe the the Shining might be one of the scariest oh, movies I've ever seen that I still like. Oh, but I don't think God. like, hey, you know what? I got a night alone. I'm going to get into my jammies and kick back and put on The Shining. Uh-uh. <laughs> I, I saw that too. Yep. I saw it. Yeah. 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 No. No. Uh, but here's the thing. I won't see horror films. But I'm addicted to like locked up and like prison reality shows and like anything hardcore, gnarly, like intense. Uh, I can look at uh, law shows that have, you know, victims, crime, you know, like, you know, like uh, homicides. I can get into that in the reality shows. But horror films where I'm paying for you to scare the shit out of me, I'm not cool with. <laughs> I'm not down with that. Another, it's interesting, actually, what you're saying. There, there's, there was a study done where, did you ever see, now, now I'm laughing, I'm thinking about watching this with my best friend Heather in high school. Did you ever see any of the movies called Faces of Death? Do you remember that movie or of it? Have you heard of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have heard of it, if you tell me more about okay. it. So Faces of Death is not actually a horror film, although it's horrifying. It is almost like a documentary where they would show these real life horrors, like, you know, like a monkey's brain being bashed in or, you know, like these brutal uh, torturing of animals and uh, just horrible, horrible, real things. Uh, and there was a study done where they had people watch something that sounds like faces of death and they couldn't get all the way through it. Huh. Even people who loved horror films. So that there's something about the detachment when you know that it's not 
real. Yes. Oh, yeah. That makes uh-huh. it tolerable. Sure. But even people who can tolerate that, very few of them can get through a faces of death experience, right? Where you know it's real. Or on the dark web, you know, back in the day, and I'm sure it still has it, which is really frightening, but live deaths and things like that. Oh, I forgot what yeah. you call them, but... Uh, yeah, something. Yeah, hmm. fuck. Why can't I think of what the name of that is? They're like slasher. They're not slasher films, but there's yeah, there's a there's a whole subcategory of cult film, and it's horrible. It's horrible. Yeah. It's not even. It's it's not even right to call it film. <laughs> so, did you take that little test I sent you? Uh, no, I didn't. I'm sorry. <laughs> I missed that email. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, I did send you that. I, I did, Do you want me to dig it now? No, Let's no, take it. No, no, it's cool. I'm sorry. Uh, no, 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 no. So there's this online... I did see it, though. There's this online test. It's, uh-huh. You know, it's just like a quick, like you click little things, uh, like 10, 20 <laughs> questions or whatever, and to just to determine whether or not you are a um, sensation seeker, like how, if you are a high sensation seeker. Oh, from what you're saying, it sounds like you're probably not. I wasn't. Wah, wah. Uh, <laughs> no although, <fun. laughs> although I have a feeling that, like me, you, you, there, there are some questions that it's like, well, yeah, of course, I would rather go somewhere new than somewhere I've been before, but I don't necessarily want to go with no plan and into a place that's scary and, you know, I... You know me. I need a plan. <laughs> but you know what, Jenny? I like Universal City Horror Night. That's kind of fun. But again, that's a given that you know. You know that it's all fake, phony. They can't touch you. Um, so, and it's really scary. I mean, it can be really scary if you don't Google or YouTube how to not get scared at horror film horror night. How do you not get scared at horror night? Um, so the makeup is wonderful and it's really creepy and the actors are inc- wonderful and uh, they come with chainsaws and they, I mean, it's they do a wonderful job. And the uh, haunted houses and it's all really cool. But if you Google, you know, how to do it where you don't get scared, they teach you when they come up to you, you smile and say hi. And then the actors kind of break and smile, and then they go away because they know you don't want to really be scared, scared. Oh, that's good advice. So, yeah, and uh, and I, I, I do have appreciation for the artistic and creative aspect of it. Um, yeah, and so I, I, lo- I do like that. I don't know why, but that's a and, – and again, a lot of people do even dress up at that time and I don't but I do appreciate I like looking at the uh costumes oh, yeah, me when too. people dress up especially I appreciate the effort <clears throat> excuse me especially when in the world there's heavy political things going on like remember when Reagan everybody was Reagan back in the day and I'm going to assume that there's going to be a couple Trump people. I'm sure. Maybe even Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> oh my God. I don't know. He's going to get his ass kicked if somebody yeah. dresses up like that. The Harvey Weinstein mask. Yeah. Oh, that's a little frightening. So people who do <laughs> tend to like horror films uh, and these kind of darker cult films they uh they attribute it to um many different things there's different theories uh the dark factor is what some people call it and these people tend to like 
heavy metal and punk rock and cult films and erotica. They like this sort of non-conformative thrill and and risk-taking behavior, uh, things that are kind of outside the societal norm, which includes, you know, adolescent males, right? Uh, Something that I read was talking about horror films and going to horror films is like a rite of passage for young people. Yeah, I can see that. Because now we don't really have a, you're going out on the hunt with a son, you know. At... It's kind of like a bar mitzvah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you can tolerate a scary thing and not get scared shitless, you know, and you could just like handle it, you're a man. Exactly. That's absolutely, that's 100% what it's about, right? That it's about this display of masculinity and Alpha. bravery and yeah and this uh i could see that initiation yeah mm-hmm. it's it's part of becoming a member of, a member of the tribe mm-hmm. uh like bar mitzvah uh i find that very understandable and also another reflection on the world we're living in now you know w- what do we do and what do we enjoy that's sort of making up for these evolutionary and primal needs of ours to feel like we're going to fit into society in in some way and i think for young boys especially and i think perfect. the tolerance i mean now look at these generations coming up right so they are exposed to technology heavy heavy intense world issues Um, frightening and scary ISIS and all the awful natural disasters. 9-11, how many many kids, I mean, they're now in their early 20s who watched the towers fall. I mean, and that's feeling out of control. And So there's that fine line between it's fake and phony and we're living it, which again goes back to the trauma babies. Yeah, absolutely. So their tolerance, I think uh, the younger generations have a uh, stronger tolerance for holding. I think uh, Hollywood has to get even more intense and more 3D and 4D and like, you know, sound system that moves the floor. Yeah, and fucking go for your jugular in order to have you feel because these kids, it's going to take a lot. I mean, they're, they're techie technology babies. Do you think that they're more desensitized? Totally, 100%. They've also noticed um, a slight correlation as well with these things to obviously violent video games, right? Which also has not been shown, and let me add, none of this shows that these are, uh, that we're raising psychopaths or anything like Causes that. rage yeah. or violence right. or going to trigger mental health issues to go and... In, in some ways, it's actually... Uh, a way of managing those things. Totally. So there's, so there's the catharsis of getting out these negative feelings. Sublimation. Right. Yep. Yeah. That, okay, I can go and I can experience this aggression and, and live vicariously through the killer on the screen or the victim on the screen and experience something that I am not about to experience in real life. Right. So that also, the the other side of it is empathy. They, the more empathy you have the more difficult it is to enjoy horror. Uh, And the more likely one is to identify with the victims as opposed to the killer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) 
And I do want to just go back a little bit to sociopath or pathology of yeah. it. And I just want to address red flag issues while we're here. Red flag. Yeah, Just do it. to say, you know, that you said, you know, the research does not say you go see a horror film, you go kill somebody in real life. But, you know, the red flags would be what you just talked about, lack of empathy. So the red flags may be that you identify with the killer. Um, the red flags, again, serious red flags would be if somebody is a fire setter, animal cruelty, yes, um, severe abuse, those kind of things that would trigger some very disturbed people to be addicted and perseverate, ruminate, and um, just have a compulsion about, uh, like, addicted to the horror films and keep them in the manic state of violence and aggression. And that manic state that you're talking about, so there's this theory called the excitation transfer process or excitation transfer theory by Dr. Dolph Zillman. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dr. Zillman, if you are alive and I'm offensive. Um, <clears throat> but it, it talks about... The theory revolves around the increase in heart rate that comes when we're watching. Yeah, the physiological aspects for sure. And the blood pressure and the respiration increases. Uh, and after we've watched something like this, that heightened state continues. But this excitation transfer process then, and this makes a lot of sense when you think about young people, like transfers to the experience. So you and I go and we see a scary movie together and it's like, oh my God, why the fuck did we do that to ourselves? But then we're laughing afterwards and we're feeling good about being together because that increased heart rate and the- We had a shared pressure. experience. Yeah. We can and validate and reassure. Like, it's a little bit like, uh, in a twisted way, like being in the foxhole together and then getting yeah. out of it and then- you know, we being, survived. Yeah. yeah. And, and that, that there's an excitement that goes mm -hmm. on with that, that we went through this together and it bonds us together. And I think that that's part, especially for younger people, of what's so fun about going to one of these films, even when it's not your thing. Because, I mean, I, I, it's really not my thing. But when I was younger, I would go if other people wanted to go. Right, you're going sort of for the collective experience. Yeah, and my 16-year-old, it's so funny, he can't get enough horror films, and he's dying for me to go. And I said, well, you know what? Why, why do you want me to go so bad? And he goes, I just think it's really funny that it <laughs> scares you so much. It's kind of like the roller coasters. I don't like them, and I did attempt to go on some very scary ones, and he just thought that was funny shit. And I did not, I was <laughs> not having fun at all, but he got a kick out of, you know, like a different aspect of me. And, and I don't know, it's a, it's funny when teens, you know, teens want to, to have their adults kind of, uh, scared. I, you know, like, I don't know. I think it's, I remember having that feeling that I remember, I like, I, I never did like that it. with my, I, you know, I guess my childhood was scary enough. So it's like, you know, I didn't need to be scared shitless anymore. I'm with you on some of that, but for me with roller coasters, it's different than horror stuff. Roller, uh, but the similarity is the fears, like conquering the fears. Because I I like roller coasters, even though I sort of hate them. I hate I love to hate them, uh, because it's a fear conquering thing, and I have a heights thing, which is natural. People, it's natural to be afraid <laughs> of heights. Yeah, uh, it's preservation. 
Um, so you felt like you accomplished things when you were done with a yeah, roller and, coaster? and the thrill of it, right? So, I'm mad at it. I'm just like, fuck you for like making me feel that way. And and I there's no accomplishment. I don't even feel... I'm not happy I did it. I'm just like, fuck this. Oh, really? Hurts my feelings. I'm like, let's do that again. No like, way. Because it, it's, uh-uh. it, it's putting yourself through torture, but then feeling a thrill from it. Uh, maybe that's my own little sickness, but I'll, I'll have to talk to my therapist about that. <laughs> Paging Dr. Floyd. Dr. Floyd. Paging Dr. Floyd. There's also this um, morbid fascination that we all have with things, you know, like uh, when we all slow down, all the looky-loos, when there's a car crash, right? There's that... The I, rubberneck. Yeah. Let's look and it, it, thank God it's not us. Right. Playing out. We're really safe, but let's see. You know, uh, Friday the 13th, wasn't it really big that, you know, a group of teens, they go into the uh, woods. It's and like, they're at camp. You know, they're quiet in dark nights. And then it's like, no, they, but they do such stupid stuff. You know, it's like, oh, I'm going to go look for Bobby in that dark <laughs> area that has no light. And there's a creek there. And you could trip and bump your head, but I'll be okay. And I have one flashlight, you know. Right. And three of Susie, my friends have died already, but yeah, I'm sure I'll right be there, fine. right? Yeah, but that's okay. And you know, Susie, you don't have to go with me. You go the other way. <laughs> I know. I it's the what the hell are you going in the basement? Like where I'm always screaming at films, like don't go in there. Like what are you doing in real life? Who the fuck does that? It always uh, strikes me. White people do it. Can we just say there's definitely a cultural component because I have a lot of African-American friends and, um, you know, and so whenever we're watching those films growing up, I just remember some of my black friends would just be like, you see, there's no black people in this film. And it, that's kind of interesting, right? Well, it reminds me of the Eddie Murphy bit uh, about the Amityville Horror House. Mm. And I, I am going to bastardize it, but where he talks about the family move. Like, if, if it was a black family and they move in and they're like, look at this beautiful house. And, you know, it's like, oh, it's gorgeous. And, and this beautiful lawn and my children and my family are here. Get out. Too bad we can't stay. Yeah, you know, it's like... We heard that. Yeah, yeah. bye. In the Amityville Horror, the ghost told them to get out the house. White people stayed in there. Now, that's a hint and a half for your ass. A ghost say, get the fuck out. I would just tip the fuck out the door. They walked and looked in the toilet bowl. was blood in the toilet. They said, that's peculiar. I would have been in the house and said, oh, baby, this is beautiful. We got a chandelier hanging up here, kids outside playing. It's a beautiful neighborhood. We ain't got nothing to wear. I really love them. This is really nice. Get out. Too bad we can't stay, baby. Yeah. But I think that might go back to what you're talking about, too, in terms of uh, collective trauma, right? Um, it's a culture that has experienced a lot of horror, uh, real uh, abuse and horror in their history. So why do you want to go and do that to yourself uh-huh. willingly? But then there's this other part of it from what you were talking about before, the the teens in the Friday the 13th, that there, there's actually, there's a theory about it, another theory, um, called the dispositional, dispositional alignment theory. And 
it's about the thrill somebody gets or the the positive feeling one gets from watching people on the screen be punished for their bad deeds so the young you know the young teenagers who are having sex and that's a no-no so they deserve to you be you need punished. to be killed right yeah it's these people who are doing something bad that they deserved it that that the viewer gets some sort of satisfaction by seeing those they believe deserve it be punished they were smoking they were drinking they they were breaking into a log cabin yeah they were being they were showing their tits off in public it was just terrible they did the nasty exactly (laughs) exactly uh so there's that there's that piece of it then again sort of going back to what we're talking about is um uh it's called the hedonic paradox where we um where we get positive feelings from challenging something negative so the hedonic paradox is the pursuit of a negative experience for pleasure so like if you enjoy and and i do enjoy a good cry or a good like you know half an hour of complete pity party for myself or like you know wallowing in my own crap right I know myself well enough at this point that it's like, okay, I know I need to do this. I don't want to do it for weeks at a time, but I want to, you know, I need to do it when I need to Girl, do it. I do it monthly with right. PMS. <laughs> right. I allow myself, I embrace that shit. Yeah, like to and allow I yourself to feel, yeah, right? I'm going to be in the zone and you're going to have to just know that and be very nice to me. Be nice. Be nice, because I'm going to be not I need chocolate, I need tissue, and I need you to not talk to me. (laughs) That's, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, So people who like to indulge these negative feelings or get some pleasure from them are said to be experiencing the hedonic paradox. Um, And so that part of that is what happens supposedly for some people during watching horror movies. So a bad feeling equals a good feeling. Yeah. That Again, I, get, I think it goes back to the catharsis part, you know, where I'm, I'm getting rid of something like a good cry, like, like listening to sad music. Like the Smiths are my favorite band. Mm. There is something very sad about just the sound of the music and Morrissey's voice. Oh, I love his voice. And if a double Also, the Smiths, their lyrics are juxtaposed with the sadness of the music. But then there's the romance of the Spanish guitar. But, you know, it's also kind of creepy sounding. And I'll jump in and say, for me, it's Linkin Park. You know what I'm saying? Okay. I'm not that familiar with Linkin Park. Okay, so Chester is the one that passed away. He committed suicide. And just listen to some of their music there he he every song is like i'm trying to fucking feel life i can't feel life i it but i mean they were so huge because everybody really he he said the profound things that everybody feels there's there's no resolution to this this question mark of what are we all doing here and the pain of life and you feel the music is so beautiful and so intense and then you know you it takes you to a dark place 
only so that you feel like, and especially again, if you're a trauma baby, like he has the words for how profound you feel. And it definitely feels like a healing in some ways, even though there's no resolution. You gotta, he's insanely beautiful. Well, now I'm gonna have to pull up my Lincoln turn. That, again, that cathartic feeling, but somebody giving voice to something that you're feeling that maybe you haven't been able to give words to and that makes you feel less alone. I mean, that's how I felt about the Smiths when I was younger. Okay, here's somebody who's talking about darkness, but with humor, and I'm not alone. Like, in my weird, twisted view of the world that, you know, that there is beauty and pain and, um, lightness in the dark. And yeah, I mean, there's just something about feeling. And I'm sure if you find other people, when you find other people who (laughs) connect to that music, you know, Linkin Park, or I mean, for some people it's like Nine Inch Nails or, um, when I was growing up, it was Donny Osmond. Hey there, lonely girl. Girl. I can't sing. I'm sorry. Actually, I can't even with a cold or without a cold. Oh, uh, yes, lie. you can. Yes, you can. Or pu- uh, they call it puppy love. And they call it puppy love. And they called it puppy love. Yeah. Uh, yes. He got me, Donnie. <laughs> Just to the core. <laughs> Just really. <laughs> Yeah, so some people I think really like avoid strong emotions and those people are not going to like horror films. And reading about that I thought, well, I don't really avoid strong emotions, but at the same time I don't go running towards them like I to not- evoke. I mean, like I said and you know, I I won't I just think it's silly to pay for someone to scare the shit out of me. But then I do at Horror Nights. So, I don't know. I'm a contradiction. Oh, look. Contradiction? Contradiction. But maybe there's something about it being in person, like you're saying, that makes it, and your ability to kind of mess with them or break break, break the fourth wall, right, to interact with them makes it less, um, or makes it more fun for you. I'm in control, and that's the court. I need to be in control. So if I feel in control and I can control them, you know, the scary guys that come up to you with the chainsaws and I know that I can just say hello and shut them down, it's a control thing. Right. And then they, yeah, then they'll go away. Or they don't. And I don't say hi and I just see how close they can get because they're not allowed to touch you. (laughs) Have you been? Have you been? It's so fun. I I have not. I have not been to that. I haven't been to Not Scary Farm. I haven't been to um, any of these things. But I've been to, there's this amazing experience, and this is kind of related. It's not quite horror um, or haunted house, but in New York, and I think it's still running, there's a production called Sleep No More, and uh, it is a live experiential piece and the long and the short of it is it's basically Macbeth being staged in all these various 
uh, rooms and pieces and it's fascinating and everybody has a different experience. My husband and I, you, everybody puts masks on. So nobody, which apparently wearing masks is, is part of the experience that like separates you from it and people are more likely to do things that they wouldn't normally do if they're wearing a mask, which I find really interesting because there's some sort of protection or hiding behind it. Uh, but if you're in a couple and you go, they try to split you up. They don't want you to stay together. They want you to go off and explore. And there's all these different rooms and all these different floors. And people from the cast will come and just grab you and take you off somewhere. Tom went, was taken off and had a completely different experience, taken to like a floor where there was like this weird version of another room we'd already seen that had been destroyed and there was like a rave and there was like a woman giving birth and like this oh big God. bloody baby. And like the way he described it, it was like, oh, what? <laughs> That's crazy. I was taken by this guy in this rickety wheelchair to some weird floor that was completely pitch black and like just driven down the hallways at high speeds and... Um, at one point, like flipped backwards, and I was like looking at the ceiling, and where there was a diorama, uh, like a miniature version of the building that we were supposed to be in, or the. Oh it God. was really this weird, creepy thing, and the music's amazing. Everybody has a different experience, and apparently, every time you go, it's different. Oh my God. And if you get freaked out, you can always go back to there's like a lounge that there's always music playing and food and drink and it's kind of like you can go and huh. lower it's it's fascinating sleep no more is amazing that is the closest i've been to like a horror thing but again it was kind of thrilling and weird and i always feel like i, I gotta pee like <laughs> yeah the physiological mind body connection you know right. yeah of, of being scared and then, um, sorry, I'm so, so stuffy. <laughs> I think when I did a lot of work with young children, watching either video games or scary cartoons or TV shows that just had a dark side to it, it was very interesting how it triggered their PTSD scared them and yet they would go back so they would come into session cry about it and be really traumatized about it we would do the parenting piece maybe you shouldn't you know expose not should but you know it may be a good idea to not expose your child to blah blah blah. and some parents said you're right and others said no he needs to toughen up the parenting piece about watching scary materials also interesting yeah, I, I can imagine for some people that watching that and some young people watching it could be sorry. I, I imagine that watching <laughs> some of it again has got to be almost like a desensitization, like a it's almost like a behavioral conditioning thing where the more it's exposure therapy in yeah. a way. Uh -huh. A lot of uh, my gang families, when I would do inner city work with gang families, gang parents, young parents, and they that's one of kind of, not a gang initiation, but it's like toughen up because this is, this is our life. And uh, if you can't watch this, you're not going to be able to roll with our life experiences that, you know, that happen on a daily. Yeah, I totally can see that. The other thing, and really the last thing that was coming up. I'm sure you're going to have stuff to say about this. Uh, nipple. Did you just say nipple? 
nipple. <laughs> no, I, didn't. I was like, but- did she say nipple just because? You could say it. I was just wondering if that's the word that you used. No, I, I said, I'm sure you're going to have a lot to say about this. There's two parts to this. One is, here's another theory about why people like horror films, or some people do. It's the snuggle theory. Yes. Yes. So the snuggle theory being that... It's a great excuse Yeah. to jump into your arms. I'm so scared. So there was this study done with younger people uh, paired up, uh, and they were broken down into, there were three categories. Uh, did they express mastery, effective indifference, or distress? Then they would watch a horror film together. They would be paired up in different combinations. And the outcome was that men enjoyed a film more if they were in the company of a distressed woman and least if they were in the company of a mastery woman. So if a man was watching a film with a woman who was like, oh yeah, whatever, like... I'm alpha. Yeah, that they enjoyed the movie less. And for women, as you might expect, you know, it was the opposite. Women enjoyed the movie most in the company of a mastering man who probably makes them feel safe and least in the company of a distressed man. So a man is freaking out. So my gay men have to stay home. Is that what you're saying? No, Wendy. All gay men are, are no. not dis- necessarily distressed. Right. I'm just saying the gay men, my friends, are scared of <laughs> they, scary they stuff. They like, They'd no fucking way. go shopping with me. Yeah. Actually, that's not true. Actually, that is not true. Uh, you're right. I Yeah, <laughs> that's right. A lot, oh, and I do know, a lot of gay men, that can be alpha. Oh, um, definitely. But that's yeah. just what came to mind, which yeah, is, <laughs> but then, you know, I don't like scary movies either, so it doesn't really matter. The male, you're not looking for companions. I think what we're talking about is the male-female energy, you know, the anima and the animas. Yes. Uh-huh. And like you're saying, you know, the this excuse to cuddle up. Yeah, and the not the problem, but, you know, nowadays women are so alpha. It takes even, I guess, a more alpha man they want to watch these movies. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, well, yeah, they're saying that women enjoy will enjoy a horror movie or a scary movie more if they're in the company of a, an alpha man or, a, or what they're calling the mastering man. Uh-huh. So, yeah, somebody who I'm sure was, you know, at least externally putting out the message that I got this, I'm, it's cool, you know, I'm a man, I'm masculine, this kind of stereotypical, uh-huh. we got this, you're safe. But this to me also, and especially for teenagers and younger people, uh, not that it wouldn't still play a part when you're older, but especially I think when you're at that age, the whole combination of sex and death, like the relationship between sex and death. And what you were saying about the movies that we watched when we were younger, you know, Friday the 13th, uh, Halloween, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, um... Again, there's the young couple that inevitably gets killed while having sex, or one of them does, and one of them gets snatched up, and that there's... The punishment. Yeah, the punishment, but that there's always been this thrill and fear around sex for people. Obviously, in other times, they were legitimately connected. You didn't know... 
I mean, having get for a woman, childbirth was dangerous. Oh, oh my God. I thought you were going to say sexy. <laughs> childbirth, incredibly sexy. You had an orgasm while yeah. pushing out a baby. Well, I'm sure that Actually, is possible. Actually, I think yeah. that happens. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that'd be an interesting topic. Um, and where's the boundary, by the way? You know, so there's no boundaries in horror films. So animal cruelty, children that are murdered, like... You know, there's a rapper out, rapper, <laughs> there's a rapper that sounds so 80s or 90s, but there's a... What do they call themselves now? If they're not rappers, they're still rappers. Rap know, artists? I don't know, but they uh, there's a very disturbing video, and it is a, a black kid that takes a white kid by the hand, two children, and puts a noose around the white kid's uh, neck and... You know, and he's hung. And whether it's black or white, doesn't matter. It's just like, where are the boundaries? You know, like, is nothing sacred anymore? It's just scary and sad. And, and you know, but then fatal attraction killed a bunny. So. And I think more people were upset about the bunny than anything else. So <laughs> I, I don't know if you've seen this, but in my Twitter feed, there's a movie about to come out. This is going to definitely date this episode uh, with. Idris Elba and uh, Kate Winslet, where they're in a plane crash. I think it's called The Mountain Between I Us or something. See that. Did you see it? I have not oh. seen it, but in the in the ads on Twitter, they have it's kind of a brilliant ad campaign or, or ad hook. Is they are promoting the fact that the dog lives, the dog makes it. Apparently, there's a dog on the plane with them that yes. survives with them and i do think that there is something to be said about it's a statement the, yeah the animal cruelty part mm-hmm. of it we don't want to see that you know it's like okay yeah chop up the teenagers but don't hurt the dog yeah for christ's sake uh-huh. you know don't boil don't the bunny my animals yeah. yeah yeah there's something i mean i think they represent innocence i think just something very helpless about them that is hard for us to watch do you think people so you think people can tolerate a kid murdered more than an animal probably probably (laughs) i mean like in terms of uh, a horror film or something i think in real life they're both horrible and of course a child's life is I know the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a weird thing to, <laughs> the whole like, thing is so upsetting. Yeah, it's so know? upsetting. And yet you know, then I think, okay, so Hollywood, let's say they go for murdering a kid. So then who's that kid? So then the parent is okaying that yeah, kid how annoying to is the kid? quote, a- you know, um being an actor, but do you not think that in some ways that still can be traumatizing? I saw an episode of something and yeah, it was there was a man holding a gun to like a little child, like a five-year-old or like a seven-year-old. And so, you know, I always wonder about, oh, that's great for acting purposes, but like, okay, fuck up your kid. <laughs> that's good. Right. Yeah. Actually, Be an actor. I think about that when I watch films sometimes. The psychological I, like, impact of yeah, the actors. Yeah. The kids don't have the capacity yet and even even the most intelligent kids they they do not have they do not have the developmental processes in place and they have not gotten to the point where they can really fully understand what's going on i think about that all the time when i see young kids in movies like crying hysterically like what did they say to that kid that's going to traumatize them because you hear all these you can't stories. have a candy bar <laughs> go right, right. <laughs> right. well i think it was 
I want to say it was Elizabeth Taylor in National Velvet, but I may be completely wrong. But in one of these films, one of these famous Hollywood actresses who had to be hysterical, the director was telling them, like, we're, we're killing your dog or your dog. You know, we just killed like something to evoke extreme uh, emotion and sadness and horror in this kid you know what mm-hmm. yeah what does this do to you to get the shot you know what are you doing to the kid to get the emotion in that scene that you want that's fucked up man or it's like i mean it doesn't even have to be kids you know and this is for another show but like uh, a rape scene and you don't you know they really go for it and the psychological impact on both of the actors, you know? We talked about that a little bit on 13 Reasons Why, I think, maybe. Or I know they talked about it a little bit in that little documentary afterwards. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, it's this really intense thing. And also for the person who's playing the rapist. Yeah, you know, both. both kind of yeah. weird feelings of guilt mm-hmm. uh, that one would or have. Or not. Yeah. Playing out some sick fantasy you yeah. thought. No, <laughs> And, and again, with sex and death, you know, which, you know, horror film is sort of like this, we're toying with this idea of, of death. You know, the orgasm is likened to a little death, right? It's, uh, the French call it the petite mort. I, I don't speak French, so it's... Oh, go on. Give us more, Jenny. No, terrible with that accent. What <laughs> vous français? There you... Hey, there you go. <laughs> But I think it kind of, like, yeah, I think there's something thrilling in going to that piece of it that we were talking about. If you and I went to a movie and we came out and we're, like, really, like, having this positive experience. If you're having that on a date and then you go and you take that lingering excitement, this excitation transfer process, and, you know, you get the girl into bed... Oh, or in the backseat of the car or whatever. Uh, you know, there's there's definitely a thrill uh, to that, I'm sure, that all kind of stems from just going to see a scary movie. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, obviously, in real life, s- sex can be scary. I mean, we've got STDs and AIDS, and um, in some in some circles, toughness is expressed by having unprotected sex. Like, yeah. you know. Or, you know, in sex ed, they teach teenagers to have anal sex they're teaching anal sex and sex ed now yep all across the schools now they are promoting uh having um anal sex i think we just lost some of our midwestern sorry people i'm I'm sorry i'm just educating you on what's going on in the world yeah, sex ed now, and, and and there's a whole movement of people very upset about it, especially parents saying, don't teach my kid, you know, that abstinence in, uh, in includes anal sex. Oh, so they're teaching uh, anal sex as abstinence? Correct. Oh, that's sort of the Catholic abstinence, right? <laughs> I don't anyways, know, I'm half Catholic, way, half Jewish, don't ask me. That was, that was the way it was looked at as I was, when I was growing yeah, up. Was yeah, like, There was always this running joke that, you know, as long as you didn't, yeah. as long as you were still a virgin when you got married. Ow. <laughs> Ow. Wait, how do we go from horror films to yeah, anal sex? Whoa. We, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh. um, but also, like, auto-asphyxiation, right? Totally. And, like, taking yourself to the brink of... of death and what's scary about the auto erotic asphyxiation is that 
each year between 500 and 1,000 people, mostly men, are killed from this. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that can you explain that a little bit more, what that looks like? So it is strangling oneself um, to the point where it heightens your orgasm, but obviously... People can black out because you are cutting off all circulation of blood to your brain. You go unconscious and then you will seriously snap your neck. And so people that they find dead from hangings, a lot of times men, obviously there may be some indications that it was uh, autoerotic asphyxiation. uh, Like, you know, like they're not wearing their pants, I guess. Um, But... There's always that question, was this intentional or were they just trying to heighten the thrill and the risk of the sex? It's sad because they're cutting off oxygen and blood to their brain. And, and they So can't. then what is in them that they would uh, observe, witness some material that would evoke that challenge for them? You know, there's something that they saw, somebody taught them or they became educated on that. And what... What is that in them that is an unmet need to go to that level to risk your life for an orgasm on the edge of death? I I think some of this is also present in the BDSM community in terms of uh, not all across the board. I want to be clear about that, but this constant heightening of the thrill and the risk to make it more powerful, to give one a more powerful experience and orgasm and, and thrill and... Some of that, I'm sure, stems from a person's personal chemical uh, and uh, personal experience, Um, you know, how somebody is made up. Some of it, I'm sure, also has to do with the desensitization of sex and violence and aggression in our society. I don't know. I've never been into any kind of serious kink. I understand it. Uh, And I do know that a lot of people who do experience it, it's not violent and it's not because they are chasing death but i do think that when we are in the face of death we are also confronting our desire to live and our love of life and so watching a horror film again sort of like slowing down and saying you know thank god it wasn't me in that car accident um that one can walk away with an appreciation of being alive gratitude yeah and the, the the thrill of sex can be reborn. Can I get an amen? Amen. <laughs> amen. Well, happy Halloween to you, happy Missy. Happy Halloween. What are, yeah. you, are you? What are you doing? You can dress up. What's going to be? We're not we're not at this moment. We don't have any plans. Again, it's not really our big thing. I like it, pumpkin uh, soup. I love pumpkin. Yeah, yeah, I got you a pumpkin. I know. Yay. Oh, no, I didn't carve that pumpkin, but you can do what you want with it. I I I love this time of year too. Well, I like it too as well because it's also the beginning of the season for me. It's the beginning of boot season. I know that. <laughs> yes. I prefer fall and winter clothes. Oh, I love it. Of course, at a certain point we all get restless and it's like I want I want to put my bathing suit on. I want to be in the warmth. But we're, you know, L.A., you can put your bathing suit on 24-7. I know. Well. We can pretend. I think when I first came 
to LA. I, I it was like that for maybe the first few years, but then at a certain point, it's like seventy degrees. I gotta put a sweater on, right? The last thing I'm gonna do is put on a bathing suit and yeah. get in the water. I love the Food Network around this time too. What are they doing on the Food Network? Well, okay, so my mom didn't, uh, she cooked a little bit, but not a lot. And so I love the Food Network because it just is warm and yummy and they're so creative and they just come up with like the most incredible dishes and baking and cupcake wars and cake stuff. I want pumpkin soup. Oh, I love, you know, Trader Joe's and just shout out to Trader Joe's uh, has the most incredible soups. Yeah. And that's all I know. <laughs> I can't give you a recipe for one, but um <laughs> so we don't really have a uh Dr. Wendy's dream journal. Do we have a dream journal exercise? What's a dream journal exercise people could do around this? Um I would like to know in your dream journal. I would like to know a, a costume that you remember that you had and the feelings, you know, whatever came up for you about a costume and a memory, whether it's positive or negative. And then part two is a costume that you fantasize to wear, but you don't dare. Ooh. And, and journal around that and see what comes up for you. I like it. Do you want to just, uh, you know, uh, practice with each other? Well, uh, I'm thinking about costumes that I've worn. I remember, I remember wearing like a little genie outfit when I was younger, like when I was like a kid, like uh, like with the genie harem pants and everything. That was kind of cute. Uh, that was before I got pudgy and became more of a pumpkin. Like <laughs> and everything you put on, you look like a pumpkin. Ew. And what would I fan? Well, yeah, no, I mean, I, I pretty much, I, I live in the school marm or, you know, or uh, school marm realm anyways. It's kind of Catholic school girl skirts. That's constant, though. I think we should do a show on kink. I would love to do a show on kink. You know, in the BDSM and all that stuff. I have somebody we could talk to. Awesome. Yeah. What about you? <laughs> costumes that you've worn, costumes that you've <clears throat> Well, I think I shared with our listeners about my Cinderella days. So I think what comes to my mind, Jenny, is Cinderella when I was a little girl and Cinderella as an adult. As an adult. A nasty Cinderella. Dirty. <laughs> a wild. Dirty. She's wild. <laughs> uh, maybe a S&M Cinderella. I don't know. I have no idea. Who knows? Naughty Cinderella. I don't know. My poor husband. <laughs> if he has a little glass shoe for me, we're in trouble. Oh, I like that. Wait, yeah, that prince isn't yeah. charming uh-huh. and yeah. yeah. Oh, that's cute. Prince yes, he is my prince charming. Like, yeah. Yeah. I like that. Except my husband's black. You can have a black prince charming. Yeah, why the fuck couldn't you? Of why? Course. Because they didn't make it. Walt Disney. I know. No but... culture, no flavor. What? Yeah, and Santa Claus isn't necessarily white it is what we make it we can redo it we can re- retell these tales maybe you want your husband to be santa claus what up with that oh. what up with that uh i love me my angry teddy bears 
but not Tom. My not, not my hubby. Hey, yeah, there's something. I, Does he like to dress up? No. Yeah, my husband neither. He doesn't neither. care about regular clothes. Neither. I mean, he's more... Actually, he does now, but I came across something in his closet the other day, and after 10 years, I've never seen this. I was like, what? Oh. He's like, well, yeah, it's a costume from some medieval thing. Yeah. Dust that off, sugar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> brown, sugar, brown, brown. <laughs> Come on, baby. Oh, um, happy Halloween, by the way. Happy Halloween, everybody. And I'm going to post in the notes the sensation seeker scale test so you can go and do it yourself, listeners, and see if you are a high sensation seeking person or not. Uh, I'm not very, very, very mild. My suspicion is Dr. Wendy isn't either. Um no. If you love horror films, reach out, let us know, tweet at us, get on our Facebook page. Uh, you can find us at Dr. Wendy O'Connor and Associates on Facebook or Jenny J.B. Wilson on Facebook. You can find me at Jenny J.B. Wilson on Twitter. On Instagram, I'm the Preppy Rebel. My email is jenniferjbwilson at gmail.com. My website's jennyjbwilson.com. And you can find Wendy on her YouTube channel and also uh, Twitter at Ask Dr. Wendy, and that's Ask Dr. Wendy. And my Instagram is I am Dr. Wendy. And my website, drwendyoconnor.com. And email drwendyoconnor at gmail.com. And uh, what else? And, you know, um, tweet us, Facebook, email us, call us. Uh, Dr. Wendy O'Connor and Associates, 310-712-1230. We want to hear from you. Yeah, and also, Wendy's website is um, doctor spelled out, D-O-C-T-O-R, wendyoconnor.com. Thank you, Jenny, because they're going to get the blonde one that's in New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, we're, we're here in L.A. So thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on The Relationship Show. And as I always say, be as authentically yourself as you can possibly stand, even in that costume. And as Dr. Wendy always says, stay open. Bye, guys. Hi, everybody. Yay. My body's a zombie for
I'm not saying I'm not uptight. Well, no, I'm not. 